go to the Word of God in Romans chapter 9. This is part 3. Part 3. Are you there? Verse 6. And this speaks of, and, and I'm sure Jessica did not know that I was going to be talking about Israel's rejection of God and his purpose. And, and, and so this is all appropriate. I want you to see how God is just weaving things together. You cannot be here in the classroom, as it were, and not understand these things. I want you to, when you come, as the song says, concentrate on him. Forget about yourself and concentrate on him in worship. And let God do something special in your life. This is what he's doing right now among you. You may think that it is bodacious of me to, very bold and bodacious of me to say those things. But I have not always said those things so full-throated. I, I, I implied them. Uh, I use figurative language. But the time has come that we should use no figurative language. Amen? So that's what we're going to do. Look at verse 6. Um, verse 5 said, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid. No, not, that's not what I'm looking for. Please forgive me for that. Let me go back. Turn, go to five, okay. Um, he talks about um, that to the Jews belong these various things, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally, uh, the eternally blessed God, amen. And then verse, verse six says, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. It's a very powerful statement that Paul makes. I want us to be very careful not to get something in our heads and not let the truth drive it out. If we get something in our heads sometimes, it's something that maybe we've heard, we thought it was fancy and cool. Uh, it may be something we were taught from our childhood, and, you can, and the truth can't even drive it out. I, I, I don't want that to be our case. I told you about how I grew up in a wonderful church, still church organization, really was good. And uh, most of what I know today, I learned there. Um, I've gotten a lot of clarity, greater clarity on it. But most of what I know today, I learned it there. But there was one thing they had us scared to death, and that was that, that Jesus couldn't keep us eternally, that we had to do something ourselves, and that is so fallacious, and if you are holding on to that kind of a view, get rid of it. Get rid of it because the, the preponderance of the evidence is not there. It's in the fact that, that Jesus is faithful, and he's going to keep you until that day. All right? Amen. Amen. So they're not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. This is powerful. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. See, if you are looking at the scriptures with a jaundiced view, you're not going to get the truth. When you go to the scriptures, go to the scriptures as a child and say, God, you feed me. You, you tell me what I should have. And, and when God does that, it will bless your life. You will be different than you've ever been before. He says, it's not that when you look at, a, at using a cursory glance, you know, like, 
You know, that's how we sometimes read scripture. It's a cursory glance. You know, so don't take, use a cursory glance here. But look at the scripture and let the Holy Spirit guide you. And so we have wrong ideas of scripture because we just did it in a cursory fashion rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to show us the reality. What you may think in your mind, what you may get on TikTok, what you may get on some of the other forums uh, on the internet are not really the gospel. And sometimes even people who purport to preach the gospel aren't really uh, effective in preaching the gospel because they've not yielded themselves to God. So he says, not all Israel, uh, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. And so he's saying is just because somebody who was born in an Israeli family doesn't mean they are the true Israel. That's big. And he says, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But he's saying just because they can trace that descendancy to, uh, help me with that, to Abraham, they're, they're not, okay, we're descendants of Abraham. They says, no, they're not, they're not really the seed. They're not all seed just because they can trace that. Because it's the work of God in everybody that makes us who we are. He says, this is what he says, but in Isaac, your seed shall be called. That's what the scripture says, in Isaac. And so what does that mean, in Isaac shall your seed be called? Verse 8 says, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Amen. Flesh, you can go to church all you want to because mom and dad went, but you have to know Jesus for yourself. He says, he says, let me read it again. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, naturally born, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. What a revelation. In verse 9, Paul says, for this is the word of promise. Don't you love it the way God just illuminates the scriptures? He will, you cannot, you can be one of the smartest person. You can be a genius, but be a fool when it comes to the word of God. Yes. You may know all the, the things of this. You studied philosophy, you studied science. And, I'm, and I really, I'm impressed with those things. I love people who are well studied. And I love those who studied a little bit. But I love people who are well-studied. I'm not jealous of them. I say, wow, I'm, I'm, I, man, I, I give it to you, kudos. But you can still go to hell being well-studied in natural things. But, but he's, he's showing us this. You need to allow the Holy Spirit and those whom he has placed over you to impart to you the word of God. There's so many people I've tried to impart, to the word of God, impart the word of God to them, but they are stuck in what they know. And sometimes the biggest hindrance to real true knowledge and further knowledge is what you already know. You have to yield yourselves. Let's look at this word. He says, for this is the word of promise. At this time, this is what, what God told uh, Abraham. At this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son. This was a, this, this was a, a woman well advanced in years. And we don't say old women, you know, at this church. But she was well advanced in years. And, and uh, somewhere around 89, 90. 90, because she had this baby when she was 90 years old. That, that that's, blows you away. 
I mean, this woman who was, who was effectively infertile, postmenopausal, I mean, scientifically impossible for her to have a baby. She had one. And this is what happens when God is in the mix, when the Holy Spirit comes to bear upon our lives. So we're not going to allow what people think because they just want the brill cream Christianity. A little dab will do me. No, a little dab won't do me. I want to be baptized in it. Yeah, baptized. Dunked under. Dunked under. I want to be dunked under. You know, held under there for a little while. Yeah. Amen in Jesus' name. So when he talks about promise, he's talking about, he says here, for this is the word of promise. So promise is a Greek word that's a little bit hard for me. Epagalia. Galia. Epagalia. Anyway, that, that's okay. It's an announcement for information or a pledge, especially of, uh, of the assurance of good, the assurance of good. And it's a, it's a divine assurance of good. And so when God said to Abraham, this is the word of promise, at this time I'm going to come, at the time of life I will come, and Sarah will have a child. So he had waited a long time for this promise to come about. And it came about because he counted him faithful. Amen. So, so let's look at some more scripture here. Um, he says, and not only this, not only this. So he, he gave us one sure example of Sarah, a 90-year-old woman having a child. And then he says, and not only this, but Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac. One man. For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, they were in the womb. That the purpose, look at this word purpose, of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, to Rebecca, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. They hadn't done anything, good or bad. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, praise the Lord. Now, what do we mean by the purpose of God? He says, um, that, 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 the, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. And so we are the elect of God. We should exalt in that, that we are the elect of God. Let's look at what purpose means. It's a word called prothesis in, in, in Greek. Now, I can get that prothesis. Some of those, you know, a little difficult. But it's, it, it's prothesis, um, and it, it is a setting forth of a thing, pro thesis, placing that thing in view. It's like an example of it is the showbread in, in the, uh, uh, the holy place in the temple or even in the tabernacle. The showbread uh, was, uh, it was 12 loaves of bread. They were set out um, uh, and uh, they were placed uh, there before the Lord on this table um, as a, uh, as a uh, like as an offering to God, uh, those, they were offered to God every Sabbath, and they were separated in two uh, rows, the showbread was, and it was out in the open. Uh, it's called also the bread of the presence of God. So uh, this was placed out. So when God wants, to, he talks about his purposes, he says, I want to make that plain to you and place it out there to make it, as it were, viewable. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so this was placed uh, there in the front portion of the temple where the priest went in to minister. And so let's also look at, um, at he says that the, purposes, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. So the purpose of God according to election might stand. Let's look at stand. What does he mean? So that the purpose of God according to his right to choose to make a decision about your life. He says that that might stand. What does that mean? That it might remain. Amen. So the purpose of God for you will remain. Hallelujah. And sometimes when we have the idea that no, no, you're going to go to hell. I, 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 listen, I was in my 30s before I, I knew that I was not going to go to hell. <laughs> I, you know, you say, well, you were, you say, yes, I was saved. But I just thought, man, God, I'm going to probably do something crazy. Somebody's going to make me mad and I'm going to do something. And I'm going to punch him right before the trumpet sounds or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know none of you, you saints of God, you never thought like that. But, and, and he told me, he said, he said, son, I'm going to get you to the throne. God told me that. I heard his voice. I'm going to get you to the throne. But I didn't know about the rest of y'all. <laughs> and then the Lord gave me another word in Hebrews chapter 5. He says, he says, Jesus Christ has become the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. It's the purpose of God. The purpose of God that it might stand. What does that mean? That it might remain. It might abide in the place where God wants it to abide. It's, it, it might tarry there. It might not depart from there. It might continue to be present. Amen. So you and I are living in the eternal now. Yes. I'm saved now and forever. Amen. That's what this is, Jesus wants you to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow, I, I love this. I mean, I love this. I love this. And so, then he goes on. And, and, and okay, let me give you some more uh, definitions of to stand. It's the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O, meno. And it means to continue to be, not to perish, to last, to endure. So, the purpose of God will endure. And then it says survive. No, not the English version. I'm just surviving. No, to survive. The, the, I told you in the Spanish, it's a sobreviviente. And a sobreviviente is a person that outlasts everything that's getting, that's trying to get them. Survivor means you beat what was trying to take you under. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's continue. And so he says that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand. The election, let me tell you what election means. Election. Election is, is the act of picking something out, someone out in this case. It's an act of choosing. It's the act of God's free, God's free will by which before the foundation of the world, he decreed his blessings to certain persons. Before the foundation world. I mean, this causes a lot of believers to just stumble. They can't handle the fact that God chose you before the foundation world. Listen, I'm glad he chose me. I don't have any problem with God's choosing because he chose me. Chose you too. Don't be looking and say, I don't know. Well, you need to know. Are you here? Yes, sir. 
Yeah. And so God chose chose this blessing for certain people. And so in time and space, you prove God right when you say, Jesus, you know, you proved God right. God didn't put his hand on the scale and say, come, 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 come. No, you proved him right, as it were. Now, listen, he did this before the foundation of the world. The decree was made from God's choice by which he determined to bless you through Christ by grace alone. Wow. This is big. You know, when we get out of this mode of trying to figure God out because we're smart about other things, we're acting like Fredo in the movie. You know, Fredo. Everybody knows Fredo is dumb as a, as a doorknob, and, and he's telling his brother, I'm smart. Yeah, let's don't do that, okay? Let's don't do that. You care? You're not mad at me? Okay. So that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. And so what do you mean by work? Human effort? Any product, whatever that product is, by human effort. Anything accomplished by the hand, by art, or by industry, or by the mind. An act, a deed, a thing that is done. The idea of working here is in opposition to that which is not work. So it's not by by uh, works, but about, but this is this whole thing that we're a part of. It's not by your labor. It's not by your deeds. It's about God who called. Paul makes this so clear. Amen. He makes this very, very clear. Um, I, I told you that when, when the Lord uh, told me to, to uh, do Romans, I was a little skittish. I told you that. Because Romans is just so deep and complicated. There is somebody in this church that I know could teach Romans. I mean, I do know. I know at least one person here. And I thought this person should be doing God said, I want you to do it. And maybe he wanted me to do it because he wanted me to get over that Phobos. <laughs> but, but, I, but I want to say, I've done several line-by-lines teachings. I mean, Matthew through Matthew, through Luke, through John, through the, the Thessalonians, Corinthians. Ephesians, Galatians, I've done all, many, many of those. But this one just bothered me a little bit because I knew we had somebody in the church who knew this book back and forth. And, and I said, I mean, I'm not going to preach in that person's here. You know, <laughs> but God said, you do it. So, okay. So, he says, um, let's go back. He said, um, it's not of works, but of him who calls. And this word is a Greek word, kaleo. Kaleo, it's easy for me to pronounce, kaleo, right? Uh, it, it means to call aloud, to utter in a loud voice, to invite. Now, we, we know about calling, hey, you know. But, but in, in the spirit, God did that. He invited you in the spirit. So he called you also by name. Because if I say, hey, come here, and somebody, all you go, who is he talking about? So when God said, come to me, he called your name. And, and he gave his name to you when he called you. So, so you are now a son of God. And because God called you to be his son, gave his name to you. Amen. Amen. And so now you bear that name. Um, um, okay, let me tell you a quick story. I don't want to deviate because I got a little bit too much to get. But uh, I went to my barber today, 
unbelievable. God is doing these amazing things. You know, how, how Sunday we had two me messages that dovetail, and I talked about Alex about his message uh, quite extensively uh, this morning. But when I went into the barbershop, I actually, okay, I didn't get my hair cut. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, that, no thing over there, Lord. Uh, yeah, no tango, no little tango. But I, 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 I get my, my wife didn't like the way I shaped my beard, so I, I let the barber do it. And what, what, who is her cousin? And the th she started to ask me, she said, do you believe once saved, always saved? She didn't watch us on, on, online. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. I said, well, I sort of believe it, but I don't believe the, the, the I don't like the verbiage. I said, Jesus is the author of eternal salvation all over there. And she said, well, can you talk to me about it? So it took about 35 minutes, maybe, about 35 minutes of me talking about all the scriptures with a razor on my neck. <laughs> so I, I didn't open my mouth as widely as I do now with all of you. I was talking like this. Yeah. But it was amazing. And, I, and, and the Holy Spirit was giving me one scripture after another. And just read the Gospel of John. So what God wants us to know is that, is that we can lose, though. You can lose when you are unfaithful to what God called you. What does that mean? You won't get reward. You won't get reward. But, but he's not going to kick you into heaven. Because one thing God cannot do, he can't unsun you. No. You're a son of God forever. And, and, and ever, and ever. So, so let me read that because I had to read that because I'm, I'm coming to a, a somewhat of a complex version 13. It says, as it is written. Now, you and I know, um, you're going to have to give me yeah, six more minutes, okay? And so, in verse 13, he says, as it is written. Now, we know that once it's written, it can, as it were, be unwritten. That is the word of God that is uh, engraved or indelible. That means you can't erase it, right? You can't erase it. It's written. Jacob, I have loved. He's talking about the sovereignty of God. He's talking about election. He's talking about predestination. Things that people, oh, you believe in that predestination? Yeah. I buy airplane tickets all the time. Yeah. Man, I'm not buying, buying them to not get where I'm going. But the only difference between God and me is I can't guarantee it. God can. Yes. Why? Because he's, he is where I start from and he's where I end up. Yes. That's what God is. So, so he's showing us the power of God, the amazing ability of God. He said, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Hey, in the womb. What does he mean love? To welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly, to be well pleased. I'm well pleased with this, this baby uh, named Jacob in the womb. <laughs> to be contented uh, with or at. A thing. But he says, uh, Esau, I've hated. To detest. By extension, to love less. Wow. Esau. So, so what he said, well, why would God do that? Because God sees the end from the beginning. You've got to think spiritually, not just naturally. A lot of people are trying to preach the gospel in a natural way. And, we, and so many people just follow the natural. All you have is, is a fancier natural. 
That's all you got. So he talks about here Israel's rejection of God's justice. The Israel, Israel made a lot of mistakes. I have, my heart goes out for Israel. Uh, it goes out for them deeply because they've been through a whole lot to paint us a picture, man. And the Bible says though, though they be like the sands of the sea, only a rem the remnant is going to be saved. I was, I've been reading about prophecy in my Bible, and I read it, and I'm reading all the time, and I'm saying, oh, God. You see, at the end of this thing, it said a third of them would be saved. Wow. That breaks my heart, man. Because we've gotten so much from them. And we've learned what to do, and we've also learned not, what not to do. Let's read Romans 9, 14. Uh, pretty quickly. He said, what, what shall we say then? Now, now when, when Paul or the scripture asks you that question, you have to answer it biblically, not because of how you felt about something and what you were taught and all the old tales you heard. He, said, he says, he asks rather, he said, is there unrighteousness with God? So what, because God, what he did, he chose um, um, uh, Isaac, and uh, he says, in Isaac shall your seed be called, because what? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a child of promise. And uh, here you go with um, Rebecca and, uh, and, and Isaac. You got Jacob and, uh, and Esau. And so he, he chooses one over the other. He said, well, is there unrighteousness with God? And King James says, God forbid. Certainly not, New King James. For he says to Moses, this is what God says to Moses. And Paul delineates this. He outlines it so beautifully. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy. This is what God says. I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And it's righteous. Now, I can't say that. It's unrighteous. Because I don't know the end from the beginning. I'm walking by faith. Hallelujah. For he says, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. Listen. And I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, Paul concludes, so then, it is not of him who wills. I'm going I'm to do it. Nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Put myself on the mercy of God, man. And you and I, we're here. Let's place ourselves in the, in the mercy of God. Listen, he says, for the scripture says to Pharaoh. See, I was reading this many years ago. Many years ago, I was reading chapter 9. And I thought, Paul's going to tell me something. Paul's going to tell me something. Paul took me down that road. And then he said things like, like uh, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. I said, come on, Paul. You've got to help me better than that. I need to understand this. But I wanted to understand it with my, my thinking, my natural thinking. And I, my natural thinking was just too feeble to get around the, this amazing truth. This truth is to say to each one of us, you can have confidence that God is going to do everything that he's promised you. You can have confidence in that. Listen to what he says. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, you know Pharaoh and Moses and Pharaoh? Yeah. yeah. All right. Ten Commandments. <laughs> he says, for this very purpose, purpose, this very purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you. This very purpose, 
I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy, Paul says, therefore he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills he hardens. Man. Now let's go back to purpose again very quickly. For this purpose, I've raised you up. For this purpose, where are you purpose? Purpose. Prothesis, a setting forth of a thing, placing it in view. Placing it in view. Prothesis, I did this beforehand. So he says to, to this mean, bad guy, who was a bad little kid, you know he was, had to have been. God says, for this purpose, I, I, I raised you up. I raised you up to show my power in you. It's, it's as though, if I may use some words, it's as though God says, I'm going to put up with you, you. And I'm going to, you know, you're arrogant, you're nasty, and I'm just going to tolerate you. I'm going to show my power in you. So how did God harden Pharaoh's heart? How did he, did he go in there and get some concrete mix and put it in there or, or that other epoxy? No, he didn't do that. You know what he did? Ask him to do something he refused to do. Kept asking him questions. All those things, he let my people go to... Uh-uh. Not going to do it. Kept asking him things to do that he would not do. That's how he hardened his heart. So, to, uh, when we talk about is God unrighteous, we're asking, is God unjust? Is God, does God have a bad heart? Does God violate the laws of justice and righteousness? Absolutely not. Certainly not. Certainly not. So those he wills, he, he said, I'll have mercy on, those, on whom I ever I will have mercy. So that means to help one afflicted or seeking aid. I'll have mercy on him. Of course, have you ever cried out to God, help Jesus? I have. And you know what? He helped me. To help the afflicted. To bring help to the wretched. Some of us were wretched. I remember the old pe people testify in church when I grew up. They say, oh, Lord, I was a wretch and undone. <laughs> I mean, they were really bad, but God, God had mercy on them. God was compassionate by word and, and deed on them. God gave them his divine grace. And every one of us is, is a, is, has been benefited by grace. Yes. Amen. By grace. Yeah. So let me, let me, I'm, I'm closing now. Um, verse 19 says, Paul says, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? I was ready many, many years ago. I was ready for this amazing answer. And Paul gave me the best answer he had. And I believe it's the best answer for all of us. Stop trying to be as smart as God or outsmart God or find fault with God. You, your arms, as somebody said in the 70s, your arms are too short to box with God. Just take God at his word. He's good. Save you. He'll save your children. That's what God says. He'll save our children. He says all of our children. This is, this is for you who are saved by his purpose, elected by God. He says all of your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be the peace of your children. Come on. That's what God says. All of them. 
Let me say the ones that are acting good right now. All of them. Thank you, Jesus. All of them. They may not come early, but they're coming. They may not come with two arms and two legs and two eyes and two hearing, good hearing ears, but they're coming. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's read this verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? This is Paul's conclusion. But indeed, oh man, who are you to reply against God? I didn't want that answer. I wanted Paul to unravel this thing for me so that, I, as it were, my carnal mind could get around it. No, but my carnal mind is too short to debate with God. Listen what he says. Who are you to reply against God? Listen, this makes perfect sense. Though. Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? No, absolutely not. I'm telling you, I don't shake my fist at God. If you've ever shaken your fist at God and uh, you're still here, you better thank him before you leave here tonight. God's in charge of breathing, everybody. He says, so why? why? You won't say that. He says, does not the potter, the maker of the pots and the bowls, does not the potter have power over the clay? See, we want to blame God. We will predestination. When we predestinate, predestined ourselves, we have a destination we're going to. We buy tickets. We get gas we, in our cars. We get maps or Google it or whatever. And we say, this is where I'm going. But when God says, this is where you're going, you, you got a problem with God? Oh, you need to settle down. This thing is wonderful. But you can't be earthly and earthy to get it. You need to be heavenly minded. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, somebody. Does not the potter have power over the clay? From the same lump. Not different lumps. From the same lump. To make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor. Man, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for your foreknowledge. I didn't know myself, but you knew me before time began. And you chose. And every one of us here should be able to say that. Thank you for choosing me. And if there's anybody who can't say that, you need to come to the altar in a minute. The A-L-T-A-R so God can A-L-T-E-R you. Let's do it. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for foreknowing me. And thank you for predestining me to be a son. A born again son. As my barber asked. Well, well, well we adopted. Say, yes, ma'am, we adopted. We're adopted. But we're not sons by that. Not in this sense. We are born of the Spirit of God. This is the Spirit. So we got our parents' DNA. For we are spirit. We're not a spirit. We are spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. We are spirit, not a spirit. Because we're born of the spirit. 
of God, born of God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. In Jesus' name.